If you could grab your Bible, your Bible app, and go to Exodus 34. Just looking at one verse of the Bible today, and while you're turning there, I'll ask you this question. Can you think of a time in your life where you stuck this thing right here in your mouth? A time where you put your foot in your mouth, that's an expression that we use to mean you said something embarrassing, something that was out of place, something that was awkward. That's an experience we've all had, every one of us. And if you're in a life group, that'll be the first question for the life group discussion uh, this week is share a time you stuck your foot in your mouth. By the way, if you'd like to go deeper with the sermon, join a life group. Our life groups are small gatherings, 6 to 12 people that meet in homes, share life together, and what they do is, when they meet, they talk about the sermon, they go deeper in the sermon. Now, if we were honest with ourselves, we would admit out loud, we certainly say this in our own minds, but we would admit this out loud, that there are times that we read things in the Bible that are awkward to us, that feel out of place that even feel embarrassing. In our Bible verse today that we will study, it says that God is jealous. In fact, it goes further than that. It doesn't just say God acts jealous. It says His name is jealous. His very name is jealous. And if we're honest, we should say that's a little awkward. Because jealousy is not thought of ever in a positive context in our society. So how can God be jealous? And here's where I want to say, friends, that when you read the Bible, please don't read these things and sort of just automatically say, well, God must be jealous. It's in the Bible. Okay, that's done. Next, next, you know, next verse. But wrestle with it. Say, God... How is this possible? How is your word saying that you're jealous? I want to understand this. I want to know what this means. Because that's when we take the word and the word gets deeper in our heart than it would in a normal way. Exodus 34, verse 14. Just one verse of God's word for our sermon today. Hear the word of the Lord. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Let us pray. O oh Lord, none but you, none but you can bring light to the shadows of our hearts. None but you can satisfy us the way that we were made. Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. We need to be confronted with your jealousy and acknowledge that we, even your people, Lord, have promiscuous hearts, but you're a jealous God, and that is one of the most wonderful things that we can ever learn about you. So we pray, O oh Lord, that the fierce love of God the Father realized in the incarnation and the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus made real in our lives through the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit, would come alive to us afresh today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Three things today, three questions. 
How can God be jealous? That's the first question we should ask. How, how can God Almighty, who is perfect, be jealous? Second, what is God jealous about? And third, why is, jealousy, why is God's jealousy intimidating and yet also inviting? It's intimidating and yet it's also inviting. How can God be jealous? What is God jealous about? And finally, why is God's jealousy intimidating and yet also inviting? First, let's wrestle with this question. How can God be jealous? The first thing we need to acknowledge is that this isn't, the Bible doesn't call God jealous just one time. It's not like there's just one verse that we kind of have to, you know, finagle the context and make it say a certain thing. But the Bible calls God jealous quite a bit, quite a bit. In fact, two times, here are two other Bible verses where God is described as jealous. Exodus 20, verse 5, when God is giving the Ten Commandments, this is the second commandment. We read this, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth below or that is in the water under the earth. That's verse 4. Now we come to verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. The reason that we're told in the second commandment to not make images is that God is jealous. Right there, second commandment of the Big Ten, right there. Deuteronomy 4.24, listen to this verse. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now, I could give you a bunch of other references, Scripture references, that talk about God being jealous. So, how is this possible? Here's the first thing I want to say. We typically understand jealousy as a negative thing, and usually for human beings, it is. Usually, we are not able to be jealous in a way that glorifies God. Sometimes we are, but often the Scripture recognizes that this thing that we call jealousy, and we're going to get in a minute to what it is, we don't handle it well, and we use it in a sinful way. Romans 13, 13 says, do not walk in quarreling or jealousy. That's the Apostle Paul. The Gospels describe the Pharisees as jealous, and, and the scribes and the Sadducees, as jealous of Jesus' influence, and that's actually a primary motive for why they hate Him and they want to kill him. And in James chapter 3, James writes, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now listen to this. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Clearly, jealousy is a problem for sinful human beings. One of my guilty pleasure podcasts is I like to listen to Dateline sometimes, okay? I don't know if anybody here ever listens to Dateline. It's a TV show, but you can listen to it on, on any podcast app. And I've got to tell you, and it's just mindless, you know, uh, um, I don't know, entertainment or, or inter it's just interesting. But it's all true stories. If you know what Dateline is, it's investigations into real crimes. And I've got to say, I've listened to enough Dateline to realize that people kill each other for two reasons. There's only two. One is greed, money. The other one is jealous hatred. 
jealous rage. It's always one of those two. Uh, I, I think South Carolina has even made the national news in the last six months with this murder, murders thing that's the, that happened in our own state with this one doctor. We, we see this over and over again that human beings generally do not handle jealousy well. And I want to say this, there is never an excuse for a husband in particular, although it could apply to a wife as well, to be abusive to a spouse and to make the excuse, well, it's just because I'm, I'm jealous for you like God. It's just because you're mine. You're my possession. I love you so much. Therefore, I'm allowed to control you and be abusive. That is never okay. And I will say, if you've been in ministry long enough, most pastors have probably seen examples where a spouse has a a sinful controlling tendency toward another spouse and that needs to be repented of that needs to be brought into the light because a good marriage is going to be built on trust oftentimes jealousy is not something that we as sinful human beings handle well and yet God the Bible tells us is not just jealous some of the time but his very name is jealousy so we need to get to this question. If God can be jealous and it's not sinful, and in fact we can be jealous too, and I'll get to that in a way that's not sinful, then how do we distinguish between a sinful jealousy and a holy jealousy? Well, we're, we're ready to answer this question now. When is jealousy sinful? And when is jealousy not sinful? And instead even appropriate or, and even holy? Here's the answer. Here's how I would define it. Sinful jealousy is a selfish control that flows out of the flesh. A desire to possess, to control. A holy jealousy is a zealous love that flows out of the heart. That's what God has for His people. God has a, a zealous love that flows out of His perfect character that makes Him passionate for His glory, passionate for His people. It's why God says, I've saved you and now I'm not okay with you sleeping around on me, Israelites. I'm not okay with you chasing after other gods. I want your love and I want it entirely for myself. This is why, friends, the primary metaphor, not the only metaphor, but the primary metaphor that we find in the Old Testament for the relationship between God and His people is that of a marriage. God says to His people, He says to us today, we made a covenant together. We were married. And I want all of your heart. I'm not willing to share your affections with anyone else because you were made for me and no one else can satisfy you like me. And so I have this zealous, passionate, committed love for you. I have this holy jealousy over my people. That's how God can be jealous. Now, is it appropriate for a husband to have a proper jealousy of his wife? Sure, certainly. A wife to have a proper jealousy for a husband? Certainly. Parents to have a proper jealousy for their children? Oh, yes. You want to mess with uh, somebody's kids, you're going to see their love, their fierce love come out as they protect their children, as they protect their loved ones. 
That's a holy, zealous love for that which belongs to us rightly in covenant. God says to us, I've saved you. I've made you my people. And I want you to know something. I didn't just do that and then sort of leave you on your own and say, live how you want. But rather, I saved you and I brought you into a marriage with myself and now I want all of your heart. What is God zealous or, and jealous, I might add, about? That's our second point. What is God jealous about? Well, the Bible gives us two very clear things that God is jealous about. The first thing is that God is jealous about His glory. Ezekiel 39, 25 says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. God will not share His glory. Because He deserves all of the glory. He made everything. He made all that is good. What do we have that has not come from God? God is passionate about His reputation. He's passionate about His glory. You know what else He's passionate about? He's passionate about you and me and you all on the live stream. He is passionate about His people. There's so many places in the Bible I could go to to show this. But here's a verse that mentions the word jealousy. Zechariah 8.2 Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy. And I am jealous for her with great wrath. In other words, God will judge anyone who messes with His kids, with His people. Because we are His. What is God jealous about? He's jealous about His glory and He's jealous about His people. And all of this leads us now to this final question that I want us us to spend most of our time on this morning, which is this, why is God's jealousy intimidating and yet inviting at the same time? It's intimidating and yet it's inviting. Let me first of all give some context to help us appreciate this command. Remember when God's people are given the book of Exodus. It is after God has delivered them from the Egyptians. He has brought them out. And in the context that they, the original audience received this, this was a polytheistic culture. All of you know what that means. Many gods. And in fact, the Egyptians probably would have been cool if the Israelites would have just stayed in slavery and if the Israelites just wanted to add their God, Yahweh, sure, go ahead. He can join the club. We've got a hundred other gods, we've got a thousand other gods, we've got Ra, the sun god, we've got a god for for fertility, we've got a god for this, we've got a goddess for that. Sure, bring them in. More gods, the better. This was a polytheistic culture. And it's, I said this, it's so easy for us to sort of look down on people as primitive, but you need to know this. The ancient people, they didn't actually worship a statue, they didn't actually think that that was their god. They're smarter than that. When they they would bow down and worship a statue, they didn't actually think that was their God. Rather, they thought that by worshiping that statue, that idol, they were connecting to God because that could, or to a God, lowercase g, because that was a way, that was a representation of God. So God is giving this command to His people in a polytheistic, religiously promiscuous culture. And we think, well, what does that have to do with us? I got no idols at home. Um, 
I, I, you know, I, I worship the true God alone. We'll make that connection. But let me, let me try to illuminate how it's intimidating uh, by saying this. We have a Sam's Club membership here in town. I, I'm assuming I'm not the only one. Some other Sam's Club fans in the room here. Okay, we go to Sam's Club. I support anyone that will sell me, like, you know, enough uh, paper towels to last me through Armageddon or any other bulk. You can, if you love to shop bulk, you love Sam's Club, you can just go and buy anything supersized for a great price. And we go to Sam's Club, my wife and I, and sometimes when you go to Sam's Club, it's not every time, but they have samples out. They have products that, that some nice person has prepared and you can go buy and you can get the sample. Does anyone else like to get a sample? I, I like to get the samples. I get them. And sometimes I'll go through and it'll be like a little piece of pulled pork or something. And I know I'm not the only one here, okay? We can confess. I'll, I'll like the sample so much that I take the cart and I kind of do a loop around the apple stand or something and I'm back. And I say, can I, can, can I have one more of those? That was really, really good. And if you hang out in Sam's long enough, you can kind of get a meal covered when, the, when, when it's a sample day. And, and if I like it enough, I'll go ahead and I'll buy the product. It works. They, it's, it's working out for Sam's. They know how it works. We try the product, and then we buy the product. But I want to say this about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, my friends. You cannot sample God. You cannot go to the God of this book, the one who made you, the one who loves you so much he sent Jesus to die for you, and say, God, I, I want to sample you. I want to try you out. Maybe take a test run first, but, but I'm not ready to, to really make a commitment, but I'd, I'd love to sample you in my life. God says, uh-uh. If you want me in your life, you've got to meet me at the altar. God doesn't date. He only marries. He doesn't date. You can't sample him. You can't sprinkle the market like we do. And if that's a good way to invest, I'm sure. Is to, you know, don't put all your money in one egg, but put it in all kinds of investments. Good thing to do with your money. Bad thing to do with your heart. I'm going to sprinkle the market with God. I'm going to have some of my heart here with the Lord, some of it over here with my money, some of it over here with my children, some of it over here with my health. God says, it's got to be all. It's got to be all or nothing. And this is intimidating because the Lord asks of us to give Him our whole lives. To not hedge our bets at all with Him. And though we do not worship anymore, we do not have statues that represent gods in our culture, although people of other religions do and continue to worship gods, of, uh, continue to have gods that they worship. We have our substitute idols. And I wonder if our hearts are really any less promiscuous spiritually than the original audience that God wrote His Word to. God says, friend, child, beloved, I've made you, I love you. You've got to go all in. 
You've got to meet me at the altar. You cannot sample me. You must wedge yourself to me and realize that I am the one your heart has been made for. You know, to compare a little bit what this commitment means, we could compare the church to a club. You know, a club, and clubs are good things, a club is a place where people come for friendship, fun, networking. Those are all things people do at a club. But a church is a place where people should come to worship, serve, and be transformed along their spiritual family, alongside their spiritual family. That's what a church, that's what God has made His church to be. He hasn't designed His church to be a club where we come and we have good friends and we have a good time and maybe we do some networking along the way, but rather He has designed His church to be a family where we come as the blood-bought people of God, as those who've gone all in with the Lord because He's gone all in with us. And we say, Lord, I'm here to be transformed. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to be equipped to tell others about you. That's God's design for a church. And I pray that our church would never resemble a country club or a Sam's club. Although I will say this, you can get refreshments right after the service, <laughs> right over here. And you're not sampling God, okay? You're not sampling God when you come over right over here and you grab a cup of coffee and some delightful treats that our faithful volunteers do every week. It's intimidating. Because God says, I want all of you. Not some of you. Not even 95%, but all of you. You got to go all in with this IPO. You got you to be willing to lose it all. Because that's what it means to have a relationship with the God who calls himself jealous. And God says, you can trust me to do that. Because don't you see, my child, that I've gone all in for you. That I have fully committed myself to you. And the way that we know this is the message of the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God, if God was going to go, not go all in with us, then He wouldn't send His own beloved Son, His only begotten Son, but God says, I will go to whatever lengths it takes to win the hearts of my people. No length is too far. No mountain is too high for me to win the hearts of my people. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us how God has demonstrated his full commitment to us. His covenant love. You know, the, there's this Hebrew word hesed. It's almost 400 times in the Old Testament. Hesed, it means his covenant, fierce, jealous love for his people. Listen to Romans 5 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's his commitment to us. God didn't hold anything back. He gave his only begotten son because he loves us with a love that's that fierce and that powerful and that devoted and that committed for us. This is what it means that we serve a jealous God. And it's intimidating because making a full commitment to anything in life can be intimidating. 
but it's also inviting because this is exactly what we were made for. We were made for this kind of jealous covenant love. We were made for this kind of relationship with God. This is why He made us. You know, there was this religious movement. It was especially big around the time that America was founded called deism. And deism was, it, they didn't deny, it wasn't atheism. They didn't deny that there was a God, but they said God made everything. And sort of like a clockmaker, He wound up the clock, He pushed the start button, and then He basically just left it alone. It was basically a view that God had made things, but then he went back to doing God's stuff. But not only is that against the Bible, I think it's against logic. If God were to make all things, doesn't it make more sense that he would be intimately involved in all the stuff that he made? Doesn't it make more sense that he would care deeply about the people that he went to all the trouble to make in his image? And that's the message of the Bible, that God is that committed, that He's not indifferent, that He's not, I mean, God is able to do a billion things at once, and I don't know all the things that God does in His divine mystery of His being, but I do know that He's fully committed to His people. God's jealous love is actually the greatest invitation we could ever receive. It's the greatest invitation that you and I can ever receive. And what is the invitation? It's the invitation to intimacy with Him. That's what this is. When God says, I'm jealous, He says, I want all of you. I don't want some of you. I want all of you. I'm here to give you my covenant love. I'm here to tell you I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm here to tell you that you can have all of me. I mean, you can't, you can never go too deep in God. And it's an invitation to intimacy with Him. Will we run from it? Will we reject it? Or will we embrace it? Now, I was thinking the last few days, just meditating on the message, and I thought about so much of the music that we love, the movies that we love, the books that we love. What are they all about? I've already said the word. They're, they're mostly about love. Usually the great things that capture us, not every, I know not every song, not every movie, not every book, but so many of the stories that capture our hearts and our minds, what are they about? They're about love. And they're not about half-hearted love. They're about full, committed love. I love that song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Anybody else love that song? I think it was Diana Ross. I don't remember. But imagine if that song said, you know, would we love that song if the lyrics were, well, there's some mountains high enough, and there's some valleys that are definitely too low, and there's some rivers I wouldn't even get into. But other than that, nothing's going to keep me from your love. No! We love that song because it says there no, ain't no mountain high enough, and there ain't no valley low enough, and there ain't no river wide enough that could keep me from getting to you, babe, because it's about love. It's about committed love. And we were made for it. And we, we get glimpses of it in this life. But it all points us to the great lover. The jealous God. The God that says, I want all of you. I'm not just here for the outside. I'm not just here to help you get cleaned up and kind of become a better person. You don't need, a, you don't need God for that to just kind of get cleaned up, kind of become a better person. 
become a good citizen. I am here to renovate your heart, to change you from the inside out, to be your great lover so that you would have intimacy with him. I know that word might seem strange to use it about God, but it's really not when we think, I mean, we just think about intimacy as deep connection, deep knowing, deep walking, deep fellowship, deep communion. God says, this is what it means that I'm a jealous God. And I'll just say this, the more that we go deep into God's jealous love, the more that we will become jealous about the things that He is jealous about. And we will become more and more jealous about His glory, and we will become more and more jealous about people, especially people that don't know Him yet, that need to hear about His love, that God wants to bring into His family. We'll be more and more burdened for that. We'll be burdened about the things that God is burdened about. We're going to end the service with a song. Uh, The name of the song is Reckless Love. I want to say this about this song. Um, God is not reckless in in the sense that we normally think about it. God is not out of control at all. But I I honestly don't believe that's what the author of the song intended when he wrote it. I believe what he intends to say with that word is that God is committed beyond words to pursuing us no matter what it takes. And maybe that word is helpful to us because maybe just like the word jealous, we need a little bit of an awkward moment to get past all of our uh, indifference to things that we've heard a million times before and to say yet again, God, this is how much you love me. With a love that is fierce, a love that is covenant, a love that is committed, and even a love that is jealous. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we love you, but we love you because you first loved us. We pray, oh Lord, this day that we would embrace your jealous love for your people. That we would find and know and experience more of you so that you would receive more and more glory in our lives. Amen.